Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of Tech Swamp. Um, we have our host and friendly friendly membership team here today. Hey, Brad. Why, hello there. Hello, Caitlin. What is up? Just membership chilling. I hope so. Um, for 50 episodes now, you've been membership chilling. It's pretty dope. Oh my gosh. OMG. Um, Adam. <laughs> Um, and, uh, of course, it's me, Alex. Um, so this month we're being joined by Chelsea Thomas, Executive Director here at the App Association, for a what's what when it comes to the Apple v. Cameron settlement and what this all means for our members. Um, we're also going to sit down with our founder, chairperson, and one of our resident developers, Mike Sachs, for a step-by-step breakdown of his filing process for the settlement claim. Um, spoiler, it seems pretty seamless, but before we get into that, we're going to hit tech history and run through some DC headlines. In celebration of Women's History Month, we're honoring Annie Easley, esteemed mathematician, NASA rocket scientist, and champion of racial diversity in STEM. Annie was one of only four Black employees at NASA when she was hired in 1955 as a human computer performing complex mathematical calculations. When machines replaced humans, Easley transitioned into her role as a computer programmer and developed crucial tech innovations, including the battery technology that was used for early hybrid vehicles. As she grew into the later parts of her career, Annie devoted her time to racial equity and served as an equal employment opportunity counselor at NASA, uh, where she led efforts to close the gaps related to gender, race, and age in her industry and beyond. After 34 years at NASA and a lifetime of impact, Annie retired from NASA in 1989. And the rest is tech history. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Brad and Caitlin, what are the top tech headlines? Earlier this week, the Biden administration proposed a funding increase for the Federal Trade Commission as well as the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division. This is part of the administration's $5.8 trillion 2023 budget proposal and would seek to increase the DOJ's funding by $88 million and the FTC's funding by $139 million. The push for additional funding is part of the Biden administration's push as it relates to antitrust cases against companies like Meta, Facebook's parent company, and Google. And in other budget-related information, the budget includes $13 million for the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, otherwise known as NTIA, to support cutting-edge advanced communications research and engineering. It allocates $350 million for the U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, to expand reliable, affordable, and equitable internet access globally, and a $65 billion investment in our nation's cybersecurity efforts. And this is an 11% increase over last year's spending. The increase in spending comes after the administration released several fact sheets outlining the urgency for prioritizing broadband connectivity and our cybersecurity efforts. For more information about the budget, head to our show notes. The United States and European Union recently announced a data privacy framework after the previous agreement was struck down by a European court in 2020. While many details are still being worked out, the new transatlantic data privacy framework aims to strengthen the privacy and civil liberties safeguards in the EU as well as the U.S., uh, as well as enhance existing oversight of signals intelligence activities. 
we'll keep you posted on the framework in future episodes of Tech Swamp. And before we sign off, what's brewing? A quick update um, on the situation in Ukraine. Over the weekend, uh, Ukraine's defense ministry began using facial recognition software to combat misinformation as well as identify those who have died. Clearview AI has been giving Ukraine free access to their search engines as they scramble to identify some 15,000 Russian soldiers and also notify their families via social media. For more information on the use of, on Ukraine's use of AI, head to the show notes. And that's all for What's Brewing. As we mentioned earlier, we're being joined by Chelsea Thomas, Executive Director here at the App Association for a what's what when it comes to the Apple v. Cameron settlement and what this all means for our members. So um, hello, Chelsea, and thank you for joining us once again on TechSwamp. It is always a pleasure to join you on TechSwamp. Thank you for having me. And hi, Mom. <laughs> it is a pleasure to have you. Um, so, Chelsea, you're here to help us break down the Apple v. Cameron settlement and what it means for app developers, specifically small business developers. So let's just dive in. Um, can you give us some background on the case? Uh, when did it happen? Who was involved? Let's get into the details. I love I love the details. So in 2019, a couple of developers filed and sought to challenge Apple based on the claim that Apple was participating in anti-competitive behavior on their app store. The plaintiffs were Donald Cameron, who developed an app called Lil Baby Names, and Pure Sweat Basketball Inc., which created the Pure Sweat Basketball Workout app. They both claimed that Apple's app store was creating was operating as a monopoly, or at least attempting to operate as a monopoly. The plaintiffs said that this was true because the 30% fee Apple was charging developers was only possible because of the quote-unquote monopoly they have on the App Store market. And they also claim that Apple's requirement of a 99-cent floor price disadvantaged developers who wanted to compete with free apps. Okay, so we know that that this action did not result in a final judgment on the allegations. Um, But what happened uh, led to a settlement in the form of a payout uh, payment for independent iOS developers. Um, Before we kind of get into what that actually means, can you go into who is and maybe who is not eligible and able to file a claim um, under the settlement? Sure. So in order to qualify, you or the clients for which you develop apps must meet the following criteria. First, you must be a U.S.-based developer of any Apple iOS application or in-app product, including subscriptions. Second, you must have sold your app or in-app product or subscription for a non-zero price, so 99 cents and up, between 2015 and 2021. And third, you earned equal to or less than $1 million through the App Store U.S. storefront in every calendar year from 2015 to 2021 in which you had a developer account. When you look at the qualifications for applicants, the criteria they're describing is very similar to our membership base, which is why we're so excited to share this opportunity for developers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Speaking of members, what does any of this mean? for our members. Say we have a bunch of members who file, where do they go? What do they do? What can they expect? Well, thank you for asking that. 
The process is pretty straightforward, but I would be remiss if I didn't mention that we have a how-to on this that breaks all of this information down, and you can find that in our show notes, as well as on our blog. But I'm here to talk, and talk is what I shall do. <laughs> Folks who are interested should head to smallappdevelopersassistance.com. This is where you can learn more about the settlement and even calculate your settlement amount. And it's worth noting that developers who qualify could receive anywhere from $250 to $30,000 from the Small Developer Assistance Fund. And as a reminder, you must be U.S.-based developer, have had an app on the App Store anytime from 2015 to 2021, and the app must be a paid app or a free app with an in-app purchase option or a subscription to qualify. Um, so you mentioned the Small App Developer Assistance website, which is hyperlinked in our blog as well as in our show notes. Um, and I'd like to talk about the legal rights and options section of the page. Um, of course, legal speak can be intimidating. So I'm hoping you can talk through what all this means for developers, whether they participate in the settlement or not. Absolutely. So toward the bottom of the web page, there's a chart that breaks down developers' rights and options when it comes to this settlement. It's worth noting that the deadline for two of the options has already expired, and those options were, one, to ask to be excluded from the settlement, and if you had done this, you would not receive any payment from the Small Developer Assistance Fund, but you retain the right to sue Apple, or two, object to the settlement. If you did this, you would have submitted a written objection to the court and explained why you're objecting. And a reminder, those two options are no more. The deadline for those was March 21, 2022. There are three more options available to developers at this time, and those are, one, do nothing. If you do this, you don't get a payment, and you give up your legal right to sue Apple for claims related to this case. Two, you can object to the settlement, and if you do this, you can ask the court's permission to speak at the final approval hearing about your objection. That hearing takes place on June 7 of this year at 2 o'clock p.m. And third... Of course, the final option is that you can and should file a claim to receive a payment from the $100 million Small Developer Assistance Fund. It's important to note that this money is going to be paid out, and we want our eligible members and listeners of this podcast to be the recipients. So we encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity. Absolutely. Um, this is like the pool of money exists regardless. So it's, you know, worthwhile to um, to apply. Um, and I also, you know, it, it's beneficial, I think, for all parties. Like Apple also wants this to happen. So um, worthwhile thing to do. Um, as we mentioned, there are going to be lots of links uh, to blogs and to the site where you can go and apply for this. Um, so please check out our show notes. Um, and Chelsea, as always, this was so helpful and so delightful. Thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. And now we're being joined by Mike Sachs, founder, chairperson, and most importantly, resident developer here at the App Association. Hey, Mike, we're so excited to have you here on TechSwamp. Hi, Alex. I'm excited too. Um, well, we just sat down with Chelsea um, to kind of get like a what's what as it relates to the Apple v. Cameron settlement. Um, but with you, we really wanted to talk about your process for applying and kind of like what what that looked like. Yeah, well, um, a few months ago, I received this email and it really looked like a spam or 
phishing email. You know, it was like, here's free money. Just click on this link and give us all your information. Um, <laughs> and then you also get a free cruise. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, I knew about this settlement and I decided to click on the link. And frankly, the website looked like it was designed by lawyers. It was kind Which of, it was. <laughs> it had, yeah, it did. Um, it, it, had all, it wasn't very pretty. It did seem to have all the functionality and a lot of disclaimers and legalese language. Um, so I went ahead and um, filed a claim. I have two developer, app developer uh, accounts. And I filed a claim for my first um, uh, account. And that was fairly straightforward, even though it wasn't very elegant. Um, it just took, you know, uh, filling out some information like my uh, Apple team ID and then some other uh, fields that I had to enter. And that was it. it I got an email confirmation. Um, and then I decided to kind of wait a little bit for my second uh, app developer account because the deadline to file this claim is May 20th, uh, 2022, and this was quite a few months ago. So then I also got some postcards in the mail, uh, very similar to that, um, that basically explain you have the opportunity to claim money in this class action lawsuit. And, you know, I've never uh, ever uh, participated or signed up for a class action lawsuit uh, claim because, you know, usually you get like, you know, four and a half dollars or something like that. It's not worth my time. But in this case, um, you know, even if you have almost no revenue, so, so it's calculated based on the revenue, uh, your revenue between June 4th, 2015 and April 26, 2021. And the total uh, proceeds that you got from Apple only uh, during that time determines how much you, you get from that claim. And that that's excluding the 15 or the 30% that Apple um, keeps from your sales. So um, in my case, I end up getting a few thousand dollars. Um, but even if you only sell, you know, $10 worth of apps, the minimum fee that you get from this uh, lawsuit or action is $250 per developer. So it's definitely worth my time uh, to, to fill out this form. And, uh, you know, I did it for the first time. Then I waited a few uh, months and uh, I decided, okay, now I'm going to do the, the second account, the app developer account. And by then the website was a lot more advanced. It looked better. Um, and, uh, you know, it had things like frequently asked questions and more information. And it even has a, an estimator that lets you just enter your team ID and then you get, it somehow knows how much you sold and uh, you get an estimate of how, how much you'll get uh, from this. And so I did this again for my second app developer account. And this time they also seem to have included the uh, concept of associated accounts, uh, which basically is what, what my case is, I have you know, uh, two, two app developer accounts, but they're basically linked and they're both under my control. So I'm, I will only be counted uh, once for that uh, settlement and uh, that will determine how, how much I, I get from it. But again, the, the second time the process was even easier, less effortless, 
and uh, now I just have to wait until uh, the judgment is finalized. Um, I think on June 7th there will be a final approval hearing and then they will see how many developers signed up for this and they will um, divide this small developer assistance fund uh, up between the lawyers and the developers and the app makers. And of course, the lawyers will get paid first. Um, and ironically, it seemed like <laughs> that was uh, estimated at about 30% of that um, $100 million, which is a really huge, a huge chunk, I, I think. But at the same time, I'm an app developer and I really uh, think this is free money. So I'm going to sign up for this and I want to be part of this. And uh, we'll, we'll find out on June 7th how much everybody gets. Absolutely. And so I, I know that you, you mentioned that you received the personalized notice um, and that is how you were able to complete your filing process. Um, but we know that there's also another way that developers can do this if they didn't receive that claim number. And it's that they go to that same website that you were talking about um, and that they will be redirected to a page that allows them to fill that out manually. Um, yes. Are you able to, to talk about what kind of information um, developers might need if they're filling out that manual um, manual form? They don't have that claim reference number just quickly um, kind of detail maybe what info to expect or, um, you know, what that process might look like uh, if it's a manual um, filing. Yes. So first of all, the, the website you want to go to is smallappdeveloperassistance.com. Mm-hmm. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes, of course. And um, once you are there, there's a tab that says submit a claim. And then it asks you, do, do you have a claim ID? Um, and if you say no, if you say I don't have one, then you have to fill out a little bit more information. You have to basically enter your name and your address and your Apple team ID. Um, and then I think they just verify that that information is accurate and they will, <clears throat> you know, submit your claim. Um, if, if you already have a claim ID, much of that information is already filled out for you. But it's just a tiny bit more work. It's no uh, more laborious than entering uh, your information when you're ordering something online. And basically you're ordering free money. So it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> Not a bad thing to order. I wonder where I can order free money. Uh, <laughs> well, can. you should have thought about that, uh, Brad, when you you know when you were thinking about starting a developer account because you would have gotten at least two hundred and fifty dollars. I know. Um, I should have had that foresight. Uh, yeah. Regardless, well, we I know, Mike, that you're an innovator, uh, and I think you can help us build a time machine to yeah. take Brad, Ooh. Alex, and I all back to when we were starting our careers. We can become developers, and then we can get money from the settlement. Does that sound reasonable? <laughs> yes, and that will be a very popular time machine because any developer who has sold even $10 worth of apps on the App Store since 2015 has a, a chance to, to be part of the settlement. I love that. Love that for us. Sorry, Brad, I cut you off. No, no problem. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited about the prospects of our new time machine that Mike's building for us. So thank you. <laughs> um, so Mike, you went through some of the details, but I'm curious how long the process 
took from start to finish and you know why should uh small to medium-sized app developers like our members take that time out of their busy busy days to dip into this small developer assistance fund so there's almost no downside right it takes depending on whether you have your claim id or not i would say it takes between 10 and 20 minutes to fill out this form it's a one you know you do it once and you can pretty much forget about it because they'll send you the money uh somehow i don't know exactly when they will do that and if they will send a check or do something else but you just have to file the claim and then you can be done with it um the small developer assistance fund is something that's already in place the money is there apple is not going to get mad at you for taking advantage of that it's it's a small developer assistance fund that is meant to help small developers so i feel if that if you are a us developer and unfortunately it only applies to us developers and you have sold apps on the app store you should take advantage of this. You don't want this money to go to the lawyers or anywhere else. You have a right to this money. All it will take is 10 or 20 minutes of your time and you will get at least $250 and probably a lot more. Depending on your revenue, the cumulative revenue that you've had in the last five years, it, it's between $250 and $30,000. It's heavily tilted towards smaller developers. So for example, if you only made about uh, less than $10,000 in the last uh, five years, but more than 5,000, you will receive $1,500. That's money that you can buy a really nice laptop or monitor with, or that you can use to uh, pay for new artwork for a contractor or an artist who can work on your app. You can spend that money wisely to make your app better. Apple knows this. Apple knows that app makers, um, you know, they tend to spend their money wisely, especially the money that comes from their apps and they make their apps better. And so I think it's a smart thing to do for Apple. I think it's an even smarter thing to do for app makers to take advantage of the settlement. Yeah, I think that's such a good point to like put the money back into development. Um, and to put it into getting your app maybe to the next stage. Um, there, there's some decent marketing uh, that can be done with $1,500. Um, so uh, just as Mike sort of noted uh, also earlier, um, we're going to have all of this in our show notes. So you're going to have links to um, the Small Developer Assistant web page. Um, we have a blog on our site that we'll also link to that gives you some more information. Um, you can always reference back to this episode of TechSwamp. Um, just make sure that you get your claim submitted by May 20th um, because you guys are all you guys are all worth it and you should absolutely apply. Um, so with that, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your perspective and for walking us through kind of the steps that you took. Um, it's been super helpful to kind of hear from a developer who's gone through the process, how easy it is, how to sort of not um, fall into any sort of pitfalls. So thank you so much for, for talking us through it and for joining us. It's my pleasure. And now it's time for Random Identifier. Brad, you are up first. 
Of course. So this one comes courtesy of my recent trip to South by Southwest in Austin, Texas earlier this month. A friend of the pod, Chelsea Thomas, and I were (laughs) in a deep discussion about which band to go see. Um, But neither of us were really passionate enough to make the call. So we left it up to fate and flipped a hotel room key to decide where (laughs) where we were going to go. And it ended up sending us to see the Serotones. Um, but that's not the random identifier today. It was the band <laughs> that was just before them that we happened to catch um, just because we showed up early, and that is Night Moves. No, not the Bob Seger song, um, <laughs> but, but the same the same name. And, uh, yeah, they were fantastic. It's like a weird blend of Americana, rock, and psychedelic vibes, and... I've never heard anything like it. It's a little bit more electronic than I'm generally into, but uh, it's it's fantastic, and I'm really excited to feel like th- I have like many albums of new music to listen to because I haven't found a band this exciting in a while. That's awesome. I love those sorts of like discoveries. I feel like it makes it makes it feel even better, like even more exciting. So good. I feel like that's what happened to us and Remy Wolf. Yeah, it is what Ooh. happened to us and Remy Wolf. For sure. For sure. For sure. Did you guys also flip a hotel room key to see if you would go? <laughs> Technically, <laughs> we did we're not. staying in DC. Yeah. <laughs> Where nice. we live. Nice. <laughs> but we like, we like, we're usually people who sort of like roll into a show like whenever we get there. So we weren't necessarily mm-hmm. like aiming to get there. Um, yeah, like for the opener. And then we were. And she happened to be really fantastic, and we had never heard of her before. And it was like, yeah, it's like one of those, like, it's just captivating. And so then you get really into mm-hmm. it, and yeah. It was I love like that. we were kind of talking, and then we were like, wait, who is this? Yeah, like, why and is this we so like, good? Is she 18 years old? Because she looked very young. We're like, who is this young, very young girl who has like the most stage presence of any person I've ever seen in my life? Yeah. It was great. It was really great. Um, well, I love that, Brad. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, especially the room key thing. I'm going to remember that. Anyway, um, Caitlin, (laughs) what do you have for us? Um, well, I didn't watch the Oscars because I was, uh, not in a location that had ABC, uh, accessible to me. Um, but I do have to talk about what happened at the Oscars, which is the very dramatic situation. And I feel like there's like, you know. A lot of people have a lot of opinions. I'm just here to share mine. Um, you know, that's that's what the people who listen to Tech Swamp are here for. My totally. take on the Oscars, Will Smith and Definitely. Chris Rock. Definitely. There we go. Um, so I'll give the people what they want, which is... <laughs> that was insane. Yeah. Sure I was. could not believe that it happened. So for all the people, for all two people who aren't aware of what happened, <laughs> um, Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife's hair. Um, she has a shorter haircut and she wears her hair that way because she has a health condition. Um, and he made a GI Jane joke and Will Smith was not happy about that and, um, uh, physically assaulted him on stage at the Oscars and then went back to his seat and was like, you know, keep my wife's name on your mouth, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, uh, went on to win an award and deliver a very emotional speech about how he wants to be an ambassador of love and all of these things, which I just thought was so incredibly interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm a ride or die for conflict. I'm a ride <laughs> or die for dramatic situations. Obviously, this was exciting to watch. But, like, I 
I think that Hollywood seems like they're on the side of Will Smith right now. And to me, Chris Rock is a victim because he was at work and was physically assaulted at work. Yeah. And so I'm, like, wondering how the Academy is going to react and respond to this. Like, I, I'm very confused why, like, it seems like people are rallying around Will Smith. Even though, like, yes, Chris Rock's joke was inappropriate, shouldn't have happened. Like, how is someone who physically assaulted someone allowed to just, like, do that? I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah. yeah. Would like answers. It's tough. It's a really... I sort of err on the same side, right? Which is like, I, I really, I'm really disappointed that sort of violence seemed to be the answer in that situation. Um, you know, I think that even I would have preferred yelling from the audience. Like, I think that that For would sure. be like a totally reasonable sort of like, are you really kidding me, dude? Like you're making this yep. joke about my wife who has a health condition. Like I appreciate that as like a, I'm going to yell at you a little bit from yep. the audience. Um, I think that the physical violence piece is a part that's really challenging for me to get over, especially like he knew coming into it that he was the front runner to win kind of a big mm-hmm. award. Um, and it's sort of, um, I think what is also kind of sad is that this is now like overshadowed what I think were some really like special things that happened, you know, like a yeah. lot of firsts happened at this Oscars, like the first openly queer woman of like an Afro Latin heritage, won best supporting actress, like that's pretty important. Um, I believe that um, the gentleman who was in CODA who won like supporting actor is the first deaf actor to win that award. Um, Yeah. I mean, CODA, which is a beautiful, beautiful film, um, won best picture, which I think was Mm -hmm. like kind of a surprise for everyone. Um, And it's so beautiful. I cannot recommend it more. Um, um, You know, I think um, Riz Ahmed's win is also a a, a historic win uh, at the Oscars. like, that's, that's, like, those are beautiful things that, like, we're not really going to be talking about because of sort of this action. Um, and that makes me sad, I think. Yes. Bit. But maybe a little conspiracy. Yep. little conspiracy here. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was all planted and happened to get people interested in award shows again because ratings have been so bad for so long. Um, so I'm rooting for the fact that maybe everyone got a payout and this was planned. I'm thinking even more conspiracy theory. Just wait until like the Super Bowl when you have Will Smith and Chris Rock together, like talking about how much that like type of queso just slaps, you know? Yeah. That, oh, no. That's what I'm seeing happening. I love that. That's a great oh, my conspiracy. gosh. Capitalism is going to be on top after this scandal. That's right. Money is king. um oh my gosh well um, my random identifier is mostly just that i've been watching the show vikings it started netflix just released vikings valhalla uh which is really good highly recommend um and it prompted me to go back and watch the whole like history channel vikings show um Mm -hmm. and um, it's intense, man. Sometimes I'm like, man, I could have been a Viking. And then I'm like, are you crazy? And I couldn't. Um, but I'm totally, like, d- like deeply entrenched now. Um, and it sort of all started because there was, like, a promo for Vikings Valhalla that had sort of, like, a carved uh, skull in it, which is something that I, like, wrote, a, like, a pretty intense paper about when I was in college because um, I was talking about, like, Anyway, it doesn't really matter, except that, like, I became really sort of fascinated by ossuaries in, in Norway, which is basically where, oh. where they keep bones, like human bones. Mm-hmm. Um, and this particular one was really special because it was sort of from a, I don't believe the same period that it's being covered in the shows, but sort of a, like, a Viking age um, 
or at least culturally, um, uh, custom of like really intricately carving the skulls as a way to sort of continue to honor and sort of um, give people something um, like beautiful sort of to look at as they were sort of in these like traditionally sort of dark um, and kind of spooky spaces. It was sort of like bringing a bit of like art and um, uh, grandeur sort of um to these like places of mourning anyway um that's what started it all and then like now i'm even more obsessed with that so now i'm like all right guess i'm gonna book my trip to norway to go see him in person that's so um, awesome that so is anyway. so cool yeah one of my like guilty pleasures is the video game series assassin's creed and the Ooh. last one was actually called valhalla and based entirely around like the vikings so i oh, no kind way. of under i get and understand the the obsession with that culture because it is fascinating it's fascinating it's and it's so different than ours that it's like so yeah. different yeah yeah it's really fascinating and also like well whatever it doesn't matter except that like the last thing i'll say is that sort of like at that time like women at least sort of they called them free women so it was like women who were sort of like born into a viking family um like had a lot of autonomy like they could be they could rule they could like pick what they mm -hmm. wanted like there were there were like judicial recourse like if they were harmed like it was it's fascinating i guess is my point um and i really like it so go watch it i will great i'm convinced i'll do it yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, folks, that is it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes uh, to, on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And, of course, we now have transcripts available. You can find them in our show notes as well as on podscribe.com. Just search Tech Swamp. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, we would love a rate review. Five stars only, please. And that's all for today, folks. Everyone, say goodbye. Bye. Bye.